Brandon. Hey, Alan. And welcome to Dice Over Everything. So do you think we're going to go, ever have to go back and release lost episodes? Uh, yeah, I think that's how you kind of pad your, your content. Okay. Make sure that you, you ring up those number of episodes. Well, I don't think we're going to release the last one as a lost episode because it's basically totally a loss. Yeah, it was totally written off. There was there was um, sound quality issues because mm-hmm. my computer apparently sucks. Yep, so we're, we're going to re-record this episode. Yep. And the episode is about? Episodic content. Yep, and I think why we wanted to record this is mm-hmm. maybe because I got into watching The Witcher two weeks ago. I was like, uh-huh. oh my gosh, I want to consume all the episodes at once. And did you? Well, it took three days. <laughs> it's a pretty good three days of, yeah, so, of binging. And and so I guess that is, that is interesting, different kind of way when you think about episodic content like yeah. we grew up in the 80s and 90s where you would watch tv and every week you would have to tune in to get like the next episode and it would kind of string you along because like every episode they just give you a little taste and just enough to make you raring to go and, and really uh excited about the next episode and the plot line would always be sort of continuing so like yeah, oh man. if i don't if i miss this one episode one week i'll be totally off or it'd be like uh, or, Batman, Adam West Batman, where one episode is the beginning and the very end. It's like, will, he, will Robin get get his... Well, boy, of wonder. Get his beak broken. broken or, <laughs> and then, they, yeah. And then, yeah. It was that cheesy. Yeah, Don't. and then it would be like, oh, yeah, tune in next time. Same bat time. Same bat channel. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why they said bat at the beginning. I think that was just for emphasis. Yeah, it's... There's repetition. No pun. <laughs> no, it's just a repetition to drill it into your mind. Yeah. It worked. Yeah. Yeah. So. So I guess it's a bit of a different way of releasing things than like one shot releases, say like a movie, or possibly like board games. Mm-hmm. You just you get the board game. There's the yeah. game. There's the whole thing. Yeah, it's kind of, I guess, uh, with those kind of things, they they kind of still have this try to get the hype, try to get you excited with hype, but you basically are. Are they give you teasers and trailers, and then suddenly the thing happens, and it's huge, and it's amazing, and hopefully it blows your socks off, yeah. and then it's done. Yep. And then you much. go on. Then you wait till the next big thing, but yeah. like that thing is kind of over once it comes mm-hmm. and goes. And I guess with a lot of miniature games, oh, I, was, I was thinking nope. about how does that tie into The Witcher now? Oh, we, The Witcher. Yeah. Now we've just basically described terms of episodic content and non-episodic content, just in case you haven't heard that term before because you're living under a rock or. I don't know. Well, I guess The Witcher came from comic books originally, too? No. No, it, it came, came from, from books. books. Yes. And, but a series of books, like yep. some short stories and then books? I think so, yeah. Yeah. So those, like, that kind of got people, too. It's like, oh, okay, you bought the first book. It's not just like, oh, you read this, like, one novel. Okay, that's mm-hmm. it. You enjoy it. You put it away. Like, I guess The Witcher was even, like, episodic contents for novels in the start. So you'd say, like... Game of Thrones or something where there the series is three or four four books or something like that that mm-hmm. in a way is episodic content yeah. where everyone is waiting for the next book if, if they've kind of hooked you yep but I guess there's the downside that they but might they never not really finish <laughs> <laughs> or uh-huh. yeah someone else will finish and it will be even worse that's that could be unfortunate yeah so then the Witcher TV series, though, it's kind of some this 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 kind of it pretends to be episodic, but yep. because Netflix releases them all at one time, mm-hmm. you can it's basically it's one con- giant thing, but you can consume it in episodes. 
Yes. So it's almost like they it's released mo- one big book, mm-hmm. but you can read it chapter to chapter, and chap- each chapter has an okay is an okay place to stop. Yeah. Okay. That's that's probably how to put it. The, the, the new TV series that come out with like mm-hmm. on Netflix, where you can just binge the whole thing at once. Rather than like the episodic content being every episode, it's now the whole series, the whole season one or season two is all the episode you get at uh, once. But then there are extra seasons. Then if you if mm-hmm. after you watch the full first season, if you're expecting the second season, yep. right, then that becomes episodic as well, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, it's almost like if if each thing doesn't stand on its own, it becomes episodic. Or at least if if the the like it's diced into small pieces and even if each one can be consumed on its own it becomes a bigger thing once you string them all together I guess the difference is like can one piece like if you only watch season two of The Witcher would it stand alone or does it require the ones before it that's sort of one way of looking at how episodes episodic content I think that's more yeah it's more how you I would think about it at Mm -hmm. least right as a a strong division between um, episodic content versus uh, things that can stand on their own. So if you look at uh, the movie, the first Iron Man, that stands on its own. That's not episodic content, yep. right? But if you say want to try and watch Spider-Man Homecoming? No, that's by itself. Really? That can work by itself, yeah. Okay. You, there's the only one small confusing thing is oh. Iron Man, but at the same time, all you need to know is that Cause I guess if you were Iron Man mm-hmm. is a superhero who's basically the mentor of Spider-Man. You don't actually need to know much more about him than that. No, because from Peter Parker's perspective, he's like, well, all he knows is this guy's a superhero. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And when he shows up, exactly. that's, that's and all he's, he's got. He's taking him under his wing, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, it helps, but I think that stands on its own. I was thinking more like Avengers. Oh, the whole... Yeah, because there's so many characters by the end. So mm-hmm. many characters. You won't know what's going on yep. if you haven't watched all the other things, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas Spider-Man, because it's a relatively new character and the other characters from the other place, their their context is very small. You don't need to know anything about them. I think that stands on its own. Okay. Whereas Avengers, if you if that's the first movie you watch, you're like, where are all these heroes coming from? What is this? What Who is Thanos? Who, who, where did this guy come from? And why are they, they why, talking like I'm supposed to know who this is? It's like, why are. do these heroes have all this beef? Like, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I feel like the Avengers arc, the overall Marvel crossover bu- bullshit, uh, yeah, is episodic, but the one movies can be stand on their stand on their own. I think those those do well. Yeah. Okay. So I guess that's how we sort of see what episodic content. That's how I see mm-hmm. it. So what do you think are the strengths then of episodic content? Yeah. That I guess it gives like it keeps people continuously engaged. Mm-hmm. So that say you intended to do another big release later, mm-hmm. like if in this more the structure of TV series coming out, you would mm-hmm. watch it over the course of a few months. So you. You feel like you're just waiting for the next thing. Mm. And you're the working. hype keeps yeah. on going. The hype keeps going for that. Yeah. <clears throat> Whereas if you just, it's like a book that comes out by itself, you're like, oh yeah, I, I'm done with it. It might be it's amazing mm-hmm. and it might be a great experience, but once it's done, it can be yep. out of your life yes. uh, forever. And, and with, if, it's, if it's a book that's not part of a series, you're like, oh, okay, you don't expect another book to be coming, so you're not mm-hmm. on the lookout for it. Whereas you're like, yeah. oh, this is book two of who knows how many. Like, oh, I got, got to keep track of whether the next one's going to come out. As as books, mm-hmm. actually, that can that can kind of show that the way that they're created in TV and, and movies, 
maybe you don't like there's a strength in it just coming out having a great experience and uh and wrapping the whole and thing wrapping up it end. all up and being done and then when a person thinks about that movie or whatever or the book uh they have good memories uh and they'll tell other people to go and check it out and then those person those people will have that one piece of of happiness or a great experience and then they move on yeah right? whereas i guess if you write a book and you're like oh it's to be continued and you were talking to somebody else about it they're like oh like game of thrones yeah but maybe okay. the first book was so good you'd be yeah. like oh you should get into this yeah but people were like oh well i, I don't want to commit to this if it's gonna go downhill I s- or just book never no. finish because the because the writer decided that he wanted to just write other to do side projects side projects yeah. forever so or that, he'll just live to 120 and finish it when we're all dead. <laughs> yeah, of course. We can only hope. And then they'll re-record the end of the TV series too, of course. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, with, with new cyber cyber people that are clones of, of the original. Yeah, so that's the most Actors. obvious downside I can think of. Is it at Game of Thrones itself? By the end, and you're like, oh, I bought into this. Yeah, and it works though mm-hmm. for movies and, and books because you're buying up front and then you just experience the thing. Yep. Now, when we go to you know what our, our podcast is about uh, and and the specifics like for gaming mm-hmm. what are the good and bad things and how does and do those benefits translate so to, mm-hmm. yeah so I guess with, with when you conventionally think about miniatures games which uh-huh. have like several factions in them or whatever else you expect like one core book to come out mm-hmm. which could just be like there's the game there you have yep. it and that's it but then like people may get into it and then they might there's feel like... a big like, splash. There's a big splash. Like, it takes over all your gaming days. It takes over all your hobby time to build the mm-hmm. things. And then you play it for a while and like, oh, is this, is this going to be the same forever? Or mm-hmm. have I used this whole thing up? So I guess different miniature companies, some of them really just do give you one big yeah. book that has all the units in it. Like, say, Drop Fleet. Drop Fleet, mm-hmm. on day one, the book dropped. Yep. There's basically... All the units you would ever see for and years. All the missions. Yep. And everything. And they said, "Yeah, have at it." And mm-hmm. it was. Well, the missions were terrible. That yes. was the problem. It was like incomplete. Yes. Um, and unfortunately, if you maybe expected they'd continually re- release content, maybe you think they would fix it. But then, when well, you realize their intention wasn't to keep releasing content, you're like, "Oh, this is going to be like this." They wanted to. They just died as a company because they were unable to finish releasing it. Yeah, because they shot themselves in the foot. The Kickstarter then shot themselves in the knee, and then just kept shooting higher up <laughs> until it was over. Yeah, I don't even know what they were trying to kill. Yeah, <laughs> they just rarely shoot themselves. They killed a lot. Um, but that's one game, I guess. That I came guess. All I guess once. one of the things with uh, miniature gaming, uh, it's even different than board games because the experience of a miniature game is uh, it's almost episodic in the way that you play it. Because you're for for these games, these miniature games, they're often quite complicated. These rule books are large, and assembling the pieces to play them mm-hmm. and the terrain for the battlefield, whatever the terrain is, right? It takes a lot of work. So it's how not you, just mm-hmm. so how you consume? You don't necessarily like. Well, so there's some crazy people out there. You don't necessarily the first time you play the game have everything assembled, know all the rules. Mm-hmm. You'd say that just how you sort of get your way into the game is almost. Yeah, there's a lot of buy-in, mm-hmm. basically. You have to invest a lot of time. And so you want the thing to go on uh, for a long period of time because okay. of all the time and effort you put in yep. uh, to read the rules, to figure out the game. You want to play to a bunch of... To get other people enthused about it. To get other people. That's the other thing. You can't just play this game by yourself. And, well, although we did talk about the fact that that's a... Like in previous podcasts about that's that's probably a, 
a future um, market for miniature gaming. Yep. But as it stands, most games require other people to buy in at the same time. And so what happens if you just have that giant splash, you play it a little bit, and you want to move on? You almost feel burned because of how much time you've you've put in like if you only played it one or two or three times because right? you don't ex- maybe like if you don't expect them to do too many releases like mm-hmm. you're like okay this can be something yeah. in the future they'll like kind of refresh this for a while mm-hmm. and then I'll go back to it for a while then maybe yeah. I'll go to something else and that's the, cool the hype mm-hmm. kind of like it's almost because of the hype that, that it matters because you need the hype to continue on long enough for not only you but all the people you're playing with to continue playing that game so that you can experience all of the the like the miniatures and all the rules and all these kind yep. of learning that you put in to to experience it for a longer period of time. So I guess that that makes me think of Star Wars, where they had the first few episodes back at the start of the eighties, uh-huh. and then people just like people got into it. And they stayed mm-hmm. into it because they knew that more and more movies were going to keep coming out. Yeah. So it's not like oh that Star Wars is over, we'll just forget about it. We mm-hmm. we kept talking about it because they kept promising more. They under-delivered, but <laughs> but I think that's a but, big part of why people stayed engaged and really yes. wanted to get into it, because they knew there'd be, it's be more of it. It's not just the first uh, trilogy. Uh, well, technically, the first movie stands on its own, but it's not... Once they created the second one, it wasn't just the first three... Well, it was for the longest time, those first three, but, but there was always so a promise engaged, of... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they decided... they re, when, when LucasArts finally decided to do the prequels, that was all in. They're like, no, this game and this this kind of world we're doing the whole nine we're doing the whole nine and it's now episodic content that that'll continue going on and the idea to the fans is that this this story will go on forever you can invest in us you can put in your time and your effort and really fall in love with our universe because we're going to nurture it forever and bring you new things to keep you excited and interested and 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 engage, mm-hmm. and they failed on that when they released these new terrible movies. <laughs> but at least they tried. Yes. Oh well, we can find something <laughs> new now. <laughs> yeah. So then, the same kind of way for uh, miniature games. I feel like a lot of pe- a lot of uh, people don't want to um, get into a game if they feel like there's not going to be infinite support. Like if they don't feel like this game is going to be supported forever. Yeah. So why do you think that is? Why is it that, like, technically, like you said, right, all the rules are all put together. If they're all dropped at one time, technically, you should be able to experience that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, like, even though there's nothing new coming out, uh, in the same kind of way, right? Assuming it's the same amount of content. But somehow, when you release it in little chunks, you <laughs> stringing people together, it keeps people more interested. And for some reason, they feel like it's more alive. Yeah, you need to get sort of like a little hit every once in a while to keep going. <laughs> but That's not enough to sat- satiate all of your, to, to, your desires. To overdose? No, don't yeah. overdose. Yeah, yeah. so I, I don't know. Like I, I do hear about people saying, oh, I don't want to play that game. It's dead. Let's go play this yeah. new game where there's still new releases coming, right? Mm-hmm. But then technically when you look at it, maybe like, like look at, for example, Infinity, right? Infinity, um, I guess it's not... Uh, the way that they do episodic content is they're constantly expanding the game. They're releasing right? new figures, yeah, and they have some of them come with new rules sometimes. Yeah, and they're they're they promise people. Listen, invest in our game. Every four months, basically, we're going to release new rules 
with like a new set of rules and new new guys and new things. And so you can get in on that and you know that we're going to constantly like work on this game and make keep it interesting, introduce new things. Now, when we started, it was at the beginning of N3, the third edition of the, the game. Yeah, that's it. Uh, there was, after the first expansion, in hindsight, I feel like... Because they can't, at the very beginning of N3, they put out a lot of unit profiles. Mm-hmm. So you kind of got this big dump of everything and weren't expecting more new things in the game for quite a while. There was a, a lot. There was actually oh. a hell of a lot of game right there when N3 yes. released. And there was some stuff that they were trying to transition over, but when um, Human Sphere released, I thought it was like a complete package. The game was great. And in hindsight, I think that was the best time of the game, right? When it released its second episode, right? It was like, mm-hmm. should have been, in my opinion, for uh, Infinity, there should have only been two episodes. Okay. The first release, and then Human Sphere. And then from then on, you know, there, there is the episode of just miniatures, which keeps people yep. into it, right? But the rules-wise, that to me was the pinnacle. But here's here's the thing. That would... If they had stopped re- releasing new rules, uh-huh. that would probably be bad for the game. Because then everyone, not not everyone, but a lot of people, like, even if they're releasing the new miniatures, mm-hmm. people would be like, oh, they're not really changing the game anymore. Yeah, there's no hype. There's no, there's no sort of waiting for things. There's... You don't have all the content to talk about. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have... You're not sort of speculating over things. There's no and rumors. Yet, mm-hmm. when they released all those new rules, I think we can both agree, although I'm sure lots of people on the internet will disagree, um, we can agree that the game got worse. Yeah, like, because... it was bloated. Yeah, we've, we've had entire episodes about this. The yeah. bloat basically starts dragging games down. Mm-hmm. And, well, the whole episode talks about that for whether... Yeah, yeah. You have to cut stuff. That's just what it comes down to. People yeah. don't like it. But otherwise, the bloat will sort of drag it down. Yeah, and so I feel like these games get in a, kind of a rock and hard place where they need to constantly be releasing things, right? These these new episodes, these new little content, this promise that we're, we're going to stay alive forever. It's also a way they stay alive by making revenue of putting out new things for players to buy. So Yeah, um, although if they're constantly upgrading miniatures, I don't mind that either. But yeah, in terms but- of the game... They need to release new things to, to hype things, new episodes, um, or new content, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that expands the game. <clears throat> but the best portion of the game was like five expansions ago kind of thing. Pretty much. <laughs> right? And I feel like that's the same thing that we just talked about with Star Wars, right? Yeah. Like, I think the after first... the original trilogy, they should have just stopped. Yeah, and I think the first time we recorded this, we were talking about 40K first before Infinity. Mm-hmm. That when 40K drops a new edition... You're basically like, this is a complete game here, but because you've got all the factions are in there, uh-huh. everything's probably as well balanced as it'll get. Well, every once in a while when they release the indexes, right? When they yep. release new rules for the entire thing. Like we we, we played third edition mm-hmm. right after like just from the codexes in the back of the book, the rules for the, the armies in the back of the book. And we thought, oh, this is actually pretty good. Yeah. And then and they then, started releasing codexes, and it's like, yeah. oh, your army's so much better than mine now. It's yeah, terrible. Like this codex, we've been same thing happened with the edition. I think yeah. the indexes when we were, when everyone was playing it through the indexes, the mm-hmm. game was balanced but to itself, yep. and it worked a lot better. But now with the codexes, each it's this new episode of content, right? Mm-hmm. With this little piece that changes everything. But yeah, it kind it's of terrible for the game. Yeah, like for the players who get the new codex, yeah, it changes how they play the game. Mm-hmm. And then I think and everyone also, that plays against it, it changes how they play the, the game. And, and you know, of course, 
Yeah, 40k is the worst. Is one of the worst defenders because basically it changes you from being balanced or for, to getting punched in the face. This is the new. This is your new army's. Uh, how your new army plays. Basically, stand there and get slapped around. Yeah, even though I don't play it, I still hear of like the news from the LVO. It's like, oh yeah, clearly that list won the the LVO because they took all the character dreadnoughts that couldn't be targeted in the back. Yeah, and then there was characters. And, yeah, there's their characters, and then there's the, apparently the Iron Hands, which is some sort of new expansion faction, um, has this rule that allows you to pawn off hits to another unit if it's mm-hmm. within a certain distance to your character, so your your character suddenly becomes invincible. And then because Space Marines have these other units, that their characters, some of their characters can like kick out a, a crap ton of attacks. So they're both invincible and they do a ton of damage. And the, the ton of damage is not balanced by the fact that you can kill it because it's invincible. Yep. Uh, well, <laughs> so, so episodes can go wrong, just like... Yeah, if, you, if you're just <laughs> releasing the new episodes just to string people along, right? Yep. That's actually how most like sitcoms die, right? There's like this huge issue with a lot of TV, American TV, uh, because they they're releasing it for the sake of releasing it. Yes. There's like people expect a new season. We need, we're gonna give the creators hundred million dollars. We don't care what they make. Just yeah. put something on TV so we can sell ads. Yeah, and oftentimes the creators are like, oh, I think we we can do good three seasons, and then sometime during season two, if it if it it gets huge, they're the studio says, no, we need you to make five more seasons. They're like, uh, we were only we we're going to wrap this up. We only thought we were going to have one more season. It's like, like well, no, five more. It's like, if you want to make something new, we'll pay you $500,000. If you make something new, $30 million. Or if you like, make a new episode, a new season. Yeah, yeah exactly. They're like, oh, well, <laughs> I, I need to eat. Everyone has a price. Yeah, exactly. And so, so that's the same kind of thing, though, with uh, our this this content that they do so um so what really got me thinking about episodic content in miniatures really was frostgrave someone who does it where you feel like they do it right yeah the like i haven't liked more campaign games based games much until frostgrave the like the whole commitment of like building this one warband and having to stay with it forever uh-huh. it's like oh okay if I fall behind now I'm garbage in this game it's like oh do I really want to be committing yep. to building like a campaign based army but in Frostgrave they have the core book which has all the rules and that in it mm-hmm. but and a whole lot of missions but then the promise that they have is to come out with sort of new books that contain like an arc worth of missions in them yeah so the uh, the same kind of thing we're talking mm-hmm. about to string you along to keep you engaged in this game right and how yeah yeah because the upfront on frostgrave you're like oh i really don't yeah, want to invest in this also it's not many models and you there's use... no they don't well they do kind of sell models now but when it came out it was miniature agnostic you had to buy your own model so it's literally the frostgrave only makes money but based on the books they sell. Yeah. But it was just one book. And you only need 10, 11 miniatures. And, oh, you could just use the minis you already have for that game you stopped mm-hmm. playing, yeah. which is what we do. Uh-huh. So you really don't feel like you've invested that heavily in it to begin with. But then, like, what we think they do really well is releasing, like, episodic content. Yeah, but so unlike, unlike... Yeah, so right, sorry. Yeah, I guess unlike what we talked about for most miniature games, where the new, I guess, <clears throat> you might call it episodic content, but the content basically keeps getting layered on, Mm-hmm. And you can't consume it, like it's like new rules and new new ways, like additional ways to play, like the entire bloat conversation that we talked about before. Yeah, you can't just make use of one new codex and not the other. Like, oh, I only want to play with these codexes, and the tower player is like, 
but I can't use my cooks. And you're like, you shouldn't even be using your army. <laughs> yeah, you should definitely cut and cut the towel out of the entire thing. I agree. Yes. Anyhow, where were we? Oh, yeah, the layering part. That Frostgrave, when they release books with a set of missions in them, mm-hmm. you could use them to like bring back a previous war band and like keep the whole thing going. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to, because like, some of them are only three missions long, so if you say you had your war band going for mm-hmm. like six games, it's like, oh, let's do three more. Yeah. But if you want, if they came out with, say, the Lich Lord, which has ten missions in it, you could get new people into it by just everybody rolls up a new wizard, mm-hmm. and you play through the story together, and that episode mm-hmm. sort of stands on its own. Yeah, so the how all of these expansion books uh, for Frostgrave, what they, they, there are a couple of special rules here and there, but the majority of the content is literally in the missions. And those missions, like you're saying, just sta- each book kind of stands, like we were talking about before, one book stands on its own, right? So even though every every new book has new missions and new content to get you excited. Yeah, maybe new monsters. Mm-hmm. They also stand on their own. So it's almost like the perfect kind of balance between the things we we're talking about. It's like Spider-Man Homecoming, right? Yep. Where it works in the greater arc of the Marvel Universe, but it also works by itself. And so you get kind of best, best of the both world, mm-hmm. worlds where once they're finished, they might want a new story and you're giving it to them, but you're not tied into having to watch you know, all the previous ones to understand what the next book is in, in Frostgrave. And because they're just missions and not about like, oh, like tons of new spells or new ways to set up your, your warband or things like mm-hmm. that, it's easy for people to jump in and out, choose the kind of portions that that they like almost like the old school sitcoms where at the very end of every episode uh nothing changes and everything sets back right Mm -hmm. but it's even better with frostgrave because your wizard changes and you kind of track that so it kind of that has the overarching um what do you call it development right of your wizard but each episode is its own kind of what happens in each mission yeah or series Mm -hmm. of missions is self-contained in that group Yep. Or, so you don't have as much of that kind of... You can have a lot of extra content without having all that extra bloat. No, like the next book of Frostgrave, if you buy it, it's like doesn't matter if you played the previous one. Yeah. It just can be enjoyed by itself. Yeah. Although there is that update. Like if you get in Frostgrave, Frostgrave and Mace of Malkor, they together have... Like Mace of Malkor was actually an update to the rules. Yep. Um, or you can just wait for Frostgrave 2nd Edition. It's coming out. It's going to be great. Yep, have high hopes for it. Yeah, I think... Uh, yeah. So, so, is there any other uh, games that you think got episodic content uh, right? For ooh, that, that's really hard. I'm trying to think of games. standalone content. So, I think in the previous recording we were talking about Infinity. What Infinity kind of like because Infinity has tried to do narrative events several times because we, we play mm-hmm. a lot of Infinity so we go back yep. to that a lot mm-hmm. but most of them I've found have been sort of lackluster and I haven't really wanted to do them because they basically take the generic missions mm-hmm. and they're like oh play through these three missions and it's now a narrative event and you're like but how is that different than just playing three different unconnected games and they're like because we wrote some fluff piece to go in front of it I'm like nah I'm not buying this but there was one that they did really well which was a series of three missions that they mm-hmm. titled, what was it, Tony is Dead? Or is it something else? The important part is that Tony is dead. Anyways, it's the one where Tony Macchiana is killed. Yes, Tony Macchiana is a robot pilot in the game. Like, they call them tags in the game. Uh, well, it would be a robot. Okay, it's a, a ro- it's a mech suit? Yes, 
There we go. It's a mechanized suit pilot. Because a robot would be by itself autonomous, Yes, right? they have robots, too. This is a, this is a mech suit. Okay, keep on going. But what they did really well in that one, because uh-huh. I guess if like we played through it, we could have played through it together, but then you go and talk to someone else about their experience mm-hmm. playing through it. Like, they just be like, oh, yeah, I, I guess I won that series of missions. But so your experience, like our experience playing together the series of three missions that for the Tony is dead versus somebody else's who we talked to about it would be totally different. So we'd have like. Well, I guess the main thing mm-hmm. with Tony is dead thing is that they had the fluff. Yep. Right. But they also added units that were spe- specific to the story to help sell the story. Mm-hmm. And so when you play it, play it out like people got special units that were used just for those missions. So it kind of helped to sell the story. So it's more than just... Because the character from the story game. actually arrives in your mission mm-hmm. as opposed to, it was like, oh, this is these are my miniatures yeah. like they always are. Mm-hmm. Like it was good, also good as an encouragement to buy more miniatures for in terms of the company selling them. Because I went mm-hmm. out and bought some other giant robot, which is actually a robot because it has no pilot in it. Oh, no. Oh. Wait, it has pilots in it now. Anyways. <laughs> no, the, the robots... Oh, no, the no, robots, the, it's remote control. All the suits are remote controlled. So the, yes. all of the, the tanks are, are not... "Quote unquote robots." Yes, or at so, least they're not autonomous robots. Yep. Yeah, so technically, I guess maybe you would call it a robot if it's uh, if it's controlled by someone else. I don't know. Yes. So in this one, like the alien faction, which I already played, had got a free like giant robot with huge missile launchers on. It. Like, uh-huh. oh yes, I'm going and buying that match. No, it had it had uh-huh. giant sniper rifles that caused plasma blasts uh-huh. on. I'm like, yes, I'm going to go buy this miniature uh-huh. to play oh, in these missions. these missions. Yes. So it was a way that basically through missions, again, mm-hmm. we're, we're emphasizing this kind of, in some ways, the best way to do it is through these missions and selling them. And I will though like to uh, disagree with uh, one thing that you said is that. Um, so there's a huge number of missions, uh, base, say, tournament missions with uh, Infinity. And one of the great things about Infinity and these missions is that they're very thematic. Each mission in and of itself is very thematic. Yep. Um, I do think that if you were to string together some missions with Fluff, I think that actually does help sell those missions together as a group to help uh, bring the like to make them more interesting it is better but actually having like models to put on the board or Mm -hmm. at least like giving a recommendation for the board layout possibly Mm -hmm. just so you don't feel like you're in the usual situation you feel like this is some special situation because of the models or the the train layout I think that the 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 fluff though can end up selling the, the episodes everything being connected I think that is a, in some ways a very very simple easy buy-in mm-hmm. way for people to get into playing these longer narrative structures um, to keep the interest uh, high without actually introducing a lot of new rules and bloat yeah. now you could also do the new rules and bloat like say if you're fighting on a water planet maybe there's a crap ton of water difficult terrain or maybe we just start using a lot of water difficult like water terrain or maybe maybe trees and forests mm-hmm. and stuff like that and if you sell that as oh this this campaign that we're going to play is all forests right it makes it feel episodic feels like everything is connected and helps mm-hmm. drag people in without having to necessarily say oh you get this brand new unit or whatever right that's that's kind of or, or at least you maybe you assign some of your army as mm-hmm. like certain people acting in the story and they have to sort of make it through oh, with the series that, of missions. That, that, actually, yeah. that's kind of cool. So there's lots of ways of doing it, but I feel like something on the board has to like tie into the narrative story behind it, it to make it good. Together. And like unlike oh, yeah. 
unlike most how we talked about the episodic content in Infinity just being like releases to mm-hmm. keep people engaged, this is sort of you build a story within the game, you play through it, mm-hmm. and then like that's that. It doesn't sort of affect the rest <clears throat> of the whole play experience. Like you could introduce brand yep. new models just for that one particular mission, which they did because the I believe the the human tag. The human robot, the mm-hmm. the human mech suit, actually was uh-huh. a special variant of another one. So it was uh-huh. just one particular set of rules to use in that mission. Didn't it just have the normal tag, normal tip belang rules? I thought it was slightly different, like very, very slightly. Oh, okay. Anyhow. Yeah. So it's. Um, but it meant it didn't like uh, yeah, layer anything onto the game. True. You just you just enjoyed that whole package. Yeah. It was actually played as a tournament, which was uh-huh. kind of fun because you get a whole bunch of people together to play it all at once. Yeah, I thought that was that was a really nice touch about. Basically, you're able to play a full turn, like a tournament, because Infinity is, um, in many ways, tailored for tournament play. Right, playing three, three or four missions in a, in a versus kind of scenario, uh, being able to play a mission version of that, where each mission kind of tells the story, the continuing story. It was, it was quite fun. Yeah. Um, and I think we could do more of that. And I think, I think you're talking about. I, I agree. Like, if if you're able to sell. Uh, the characters that are are the same playing through the kind of uh, each mission that could help sell the story a lot. Mm-hmm. I think last time we talked about uh, in the missing episode where all the Samus messed up, we talked about how it might be interesting to for Infinity um, uh, when you play a normal tournament, you bring three hundred points of guys. Yep. It'd be kind of cool if you're instead you brought four hundred points of guys and chose three hundred out of those. But whenever someone died, they might be dead for the next game. They might be dead for the rest of the tournament. Uh-huh. And so at the very end, you you basically and maybe the last game of the tournament is worth twice as many points. Mm-hmm. So then you're, you're you're trying to make sure that that you don't drop under 300 points or you don't lose the special guys that you need to win the last thing. So that feels right. more like a whole narrative thing because you're. Yeah. Tr- it's not like, oh, I could have played game three before game one. It wouldn't really make a difference. Now you're like, oh no, that, now there's a whole like series of events going on here. Yeah. And you could mm-hmm. even have like, if, if people have buy-in, which I'm not sure it is because tournament players it's meant are to be competitive. kind of different. Than, yeah. than, it's meant to be competitive. Yeah. So if you got your ass beaten in game one and a lot of your guys made bad rolls to survive you're like you go into the final game on top table but you're like oh my army's kind of busted I guess we're not having it even I know it's it's really themey but you're like but it is also like it is competitive because it it's like you have to keep your army alive from the previous ones exactly you you should have just played better (laughs) (laughs) sacrifice different guys Uh right Uh, but I was thinking that's more themey and not tournament play where people want to only win based on uh, their skill uh, is have a surprise event at the last last uh, game okay this is literally just about campaigns and stuff like that Uh, and, and like campaigns you can do in one day um, but at the very end of the the very end uh, game, or let's say maybe maybe it is just like a all three three uh, games. During the second turn, you flip over a card, and the card applies a special rule to the entire table. Like say mm-hmm. suddenly there the middle of the table is a saturation zone or something as or or. Or it's a biotech war in the yeah. middle of the... Or the nearest control. model to whatever objective gets shot with. Yeah. Something rather. Something something cool like that, right? That To help people stay on their toes, keep things interesting, keep people thinking about the narrative of the game. As mm-hmm. opposed to, oh, I just gotta crush the other player and show that I have superior skill and skill and, and list-building ability. Yeah. Uh, yeah, although that's not... That's... that's kind of a way to kind of string string things together mm-hmm. um yeah so 
We had that, so we had Frostgraves. We had that that one kind of uh, mission-based uh, Infinity uh, content that mm-hmm. you thought was worked really well, and we kind of wish they did more of. Yeah. Uh, so does that mean basically we're thinking to make effective um, episodic content for miniatures games? It's almost better to do campaigns or uh, just or missions because those things, by their nature, when you play them out, yeah. they're kind of in their own block they have their own content and then they're almost in some ways once you've completed them you can dispose of them or at least not think about them anymore so you don't have that bloating kind of thing yeah i think that's that is a really good way to deal with bloat that we we might not have dealt with it that much in our episode about Mm -hmm. bloat Mm -hmm. because so instead of releasing new rules upon new rules it might be better to have like the campaign books instead and saying now this campaign book you can play through this campaign right? yeah and maybe the, almost maybe like in world war ii kind mm-hmm. of games like uh, chain of command mm-hmm. uh, they had their base book which is the rules to to allow you to play world war ii and then they release books that are oh now you can play i don't know the, the first part of the war in this area right and another book might be oh this is what happened in uh this portion of the world during the war you can play through that Maybe and they release the like a content. limited miniature to go with the content for people who want yeah. to be completionists. Yeah, or maybe and, mm-hmm. and maybe a couple of of models just for that sphere, right? That uh, sphere of battle. Yeah, the, a little bit of special rules that you know that, to add a little bit of spice, but not too much, right? Yep. That's um, I, I at least me personally, I found that that is that's the thing that I enjoy more. I agree. All right. Well. I think we've talked about what we like in episodes, what we like in TV episodes. Mm-hmm. How about and another way that you can consume episodes is like podcasts. And listening to every single podcast somebody releases in one weekend. Uh, yeah, or uh-huh. or the idea that the podcasts go on forever. Oh, because we always say at the end of the episode, keep listening for next the next episode. Yeah, and that kind of you know endears yourself and and allows you like we're talking about with star wars to attach your emotional connection to an amazing podcast with great hosts and talk about something that you love and there's really good reasons to subscribe because the next episode is going to be even better let's not go too Uh, far okay (laughs) (laughs) all right well i think we talked about most things we talked about in the lost episode Mm mm-hmm Nothing else to talk about how great podcasts are or, or how you would want to improve podcasts going into the future? No. I think they should, I think they should stand on their own like what we talked about. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's it. true. Have good content and, and be uh, interesting in and of themselves. But as you listen to every single one in the mm-hmm. past, maybe it creates an overarching uh, understanding and ideal that kind of impacts you both like mentally and and uh, emotionally. Or we could go back and create a core podcast that everybody has to listen to first, <laughs> and it'll be eight watch hours. Watch this first before you watch all the other ones. Do we give them a warning it's eight hours? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. You're going to record an eight-hour podcast now. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually talking about, um, you know, we were saying, you know, you need that kind of con- constant content be- to, to keep people interested. Um, and not just that, but like for us... Uh, we try and, and, and make sure that each of our podcasts are a little bit longer. All the topics are a little bit more meaty. Um, sometimes you might think that you you want uh, you have an idea that is really short, 
right? Yeah. And really small. What do you think about uh, smaller podcasts in between, right? Like right now, we're trying to release it bi-weekly, right? But sometimes if we have a small little bit, maybe like five minutes or something like that, what do you think about releasing a little bit more content? Um, As little pieces in between. So you still have your name. Your longer ones, but like little shorter things. Just we could. I think it'd be better to deal with like maybe talking about new releases we think are cool. Mm-hmm. Small and topics that. Yeah. Yeah, basically that. I, I see uh, in your face. Do I have buy in? No, because I like seeing pictures of new releases. Anyways. All right. Well, I'm going to force you, anyways. Oh, hooray. <laughs> hooray. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyways, if you have any uh, thoughts on what's great, what what kind of great episodic content there is out there, yeah, or other games that sort of mm. that have like release individual episodes to them that have mm. done it really well, yeah, give that us are self-contained. All right, find us on Facebook. Yes, it's a good right. place. All right, uh, this has been Alan. It's been Brandon. All right, one more thing. So if you enjoyed that podcast and want to listen to more, you can find them over at DiceOverEverything.com or uh, on your favorite podcast app. And if you want to leave a comment, message, or ideas for like more podcasts from yeah, us. Or just get in touch with us. At Facebook and look for Dice Over Everything there. All right. Bye. Bye.